0: Welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday the 24th of January with me, Bernadette and I did say yesterday that Mathieu Rachete would be joining us for an update on the earnings season today but unfortunately he sends his apologies he cannot join the show but we'll try and get him back after this raft of reports in the next few days. I'm glad to say that Dario Messi is with us from Fixed Income Research to talk about bond markets and more specifically some insight into peripheral government bonds right now. But first, we'll get the highlights of the latest markets action today from my colleague, Jonty Warris. Good morning, Jonty.
1: Good morning, Bernadette.
0: So I know we're here to talk about market action, Jonty, but we can't ignore the political elephant in the room. Uh, Making the headlines this morning is the news that former President Donald Trump has defeated Nikki Haley to win the key New Hampshire primary. What can you tell us here?
1: Yes, that's right, Bernadette. So after last week's landslide victory for Trump in Iowa's caucuses, Trump has won the Republican presidential primary in the tiny state of New Hampshire, as you say. Now, this marks another significant victory for the former president and puts him now in a commanding position to become the party's presidential candidate in the November elections. And this is significant because unlike Iowa, New Hampshire primary does typically pick the winner of the Republican race.
0: Okay, but, but Haley's insisted she's not dropping out and uh, remains in the running. So is it really still a two horse race?
1: Technically, at the moment, yes. Um, but there are many political pundits already claiming that it's essentially a done deal for Trump, with Haley now unable to stop him in his tracks. Uh, Haley gave an impassioned speech and vowed to stay in the race and fight on. Uh, but Mr. Trump, who's 77, didn't take too well to her address, calling her delusional and saying that Haley had a bad night and criticized her for doing a speech like she won. But she didn't win, she lost, in his trademark abrupt style.
0: And uh, President Joe Biden also won New Hampshire's Democratic primary, didn't he?
1: That's right. Biden has won New Hampshire's largely symbolic Democratic primary, prevailing in an unusual write-in effort after he refused to campaign or appear on the state ballot. Biden, who's 81, easily beat the two long-shot challengers, Minnesota's Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson, who were also on the ballot, and this victory in a race that he was not formally contesting, Bernadette, essentially cements Biden's grasp on the Democratic nomination for a second term.
0: All right. So now, uh, politics aside, closer to home here in Europe, we saw the results of the European Central Bank's quarterly bank lending survey yesterday, which showed that Eurozone banks expect a small rebound in demand for mortgages and corporate loans for the first time in two years.
1: Yes, that's right. This shows us that the recent stump in lending is now showing some early signs of moderating. The results of the survey are likely to strengthen the ECB's view that most of the brutal increase in interest rates in the Euro's history has now been fully passed on to the real economy and lenders are beginning to anticipate a recovery. And staying in Europe, the Eurozone's preliminary consumer confidence indicator for January showed that sentiment among consumers worsened further in January and stood at a negative 16.1 percentage points in January, 1% lower than in December. And those numbers are considerably below the long-term average for consumer confidence.
0: Okay, uh, so we might as well move to the market action in Europe yesterday. European equities didn't really have a great day, did they?
1: No, so stocks in Europe ended lower yesterday as investors refrained from making big bets ahead of the ECB's policy meeting later this week, while advancing mining stocks helped limit losses. The pan-European stock 600 index ended 0.3% lower with utilities and rate-sensitive real estate stocks among yesterday's laggards, while heavyweight healthcare stocks shed 0.9%. The euro is trading in a narrow range against the dollar as investors wait for Eurozone PMI data due out this morning to help gauge the health of the region's economy.
0: Okay, so uh, why don't we move across to equity markets in the US then, Jonti?
1: So U.S. equities finished mixed in trading yesterday, with the S&P gaining 0.3%, ending near its best levels and reaching a fresh all-time closing high. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite advanced 0.4%, while the blue-chip Dow slid a quarter of a percent, ending a three-day winning streak. U.S. Treasuries were mixed with the curve steepening, and the U.S. dollar index was up 0.3%, with the greenback stronger on its major crosses.
0: That's the uh, US. Then uh, let's turn to Asia now. Uh, Overnight, we had some data points out of Japan, didn't we?
1: That's right. So Japan's factory activity shrank for the eighth consecutive month in January amid weak demand. But the service sector saw strong gains as new business picked up, uh, according to a private business survey. Staying in Japan, the yen is trading higher as Japanese government bonds dropped and Japan's 10-year yield rose amid growing speculation that the central bank is moving closer to ending its negative interest rate policy. Traders have taken yesterday's comments from the Bank of Japan as a hawkish sign and have brought forward their bets on an interest rate hike in the coming months.
0: And do you have any other news out of uh, Asia to report for us, John T?
1: Yes. So China's ambassador to the EU called the bloc's probe into Chinese electric vehicle manufacturers over state subsidies unfair, delivering a veiled warning that more European products could face trade investigations. Elsewhere, China's Securities Regulatory Commission will strengthen monitoring of trading behaviors and crackdown on violations such as stock price manipulation and abnormal transactions, according to the state-run news agency Xinhua yesterday. And this comes as Chinese investors seem to be losing hope in the country's futile efforts to fix its ailing economy. That said, stock selling did seem to subside yesterday as Chinese Premier Li Chang chaired a cabinet meeting as authorities were considering a package of measures to stabilise the market.
0: And how have the markets been trading in today's Asia session?
1: Asian stocks are trading mixed today so far. Uh, Japan and Korea markets are down between 05 and 0.8%. Australia, Taiwan and Indian markets were around flat, while Chinese and Hong Kong indices are up over 1% and the Hang Seng is trading up around 2%. Oil prices were little changed in Asian trading today as weak demand and a recovery in supply limited the market's reaction to mounting geopolitical risk and were balanced by expectations for increased supplies.
0: Okay, and perhaps lastly, John T, what should investors be looking out for today?
1: So in terms of economic data releases, we have the flash services and manufacturing PMI data due today for a number of key economies, including France, Germany, the Eurozone, the UK, and later this afternoon out of the US. Uh, It's worth noting here, Bernadette, that both manufacturing and services indicators remain below 50 in both France and Germany. So let's see what today's numbers bring. And in terms of central bank action, this afternoon, the Bank of Canada is due to make its latest interest rate announcement where expectations are for a hold in rates at 5%. Earnings season continues with Tesla being one of the highlights on the calendar today due to release its Q4 earnings after market close. And a quick look at the futures board shows that the US is set for a positive open firmly in the green later today. And that's it from me, Bernadette.
0: Thanks so much, John T for the overview. Thank you. So now it's time to take our weekly look at the bond markets and obviously what's driving them. And I'm delighted to welcome our regular guest to the show, Dario Messi. Good morning, Dario.
2: Good morning, Bernadette.
0: Okay. First of all, Dario, we've got a few central banks revealing their policy decisions this week, and tomorrow it's the turn of the European Central Bank. What can we expect from them?
2: Yeah, I think uh, not that much, to be honest. Uh, The main policy rates will most likely remain where they are uh, just right now. Um, When you look at the fundamentals, inflation slowed remarkably in the past month. So there is definitely no reason to resume rate hikes. Um, In fact, uh, the case for rate cuts is growing. We discussed it already in previous episodes. Uh, Growth in in the eurozone is cooling quickly. Um, But also here on rate cuts, it's definitely not already something for tomorrow. Um, ECB governing council members have uh, pushed back against any kind of Too optimistic rate cut expectations uh, recently. And um, well, all in all, in our view, fundamentals look soon actually ready for easing policy. And uh, in fact, we also expect the first rate cut in April. Um, But there is definitely the risk that the ECB wants to wait for more data before cutting uh, interest rates, especially on the wage dynamics.
0: So does that mean we're not going to get too much guidance then?
2: Yes, uh, exactly. The ECB wants to avoid giving any guidance when it comes to rate cuts. Uh, officials explain it quite simple. Um, any kind of guidance at this point in time uh, would be a rate cut already by itself um, because of the resulting loosening in, in financial conditions As John T mentioned before. Uh, the credit survey, this is exactly an example here. Um, so yes, don't expect any guidance for interest rate cuts uh, from this week's council meeting. Um, but actually rather kind of a clear message that monetary policy will remain on its current uh, restrictive course uh, until uh, any kind of change is warranted.
0: Now then, uh, related to the ECB rate cut expectations, uh, government bonds of those countries in the Eurozone periphery, uh, such as Italy, have performed really well recently, haven't they?
2: Yes, indeed, uh, spreads between Germany and uh, kind of financially weaker countries tightened uh, quite remarkably since October last year uh, when the focus shifted towards uh, rate cuts um, or at least the expectation of rate cuts. Uh, if you look at the spread between Italy and Germany, for example, was well above 200 basis points back in October and is now down at 150 basis points. This is a, a two-year low. Um, and this also then, obviously resulted in an outperformance of periphery government bonds, which uh, include countries like uh, Italy or also Spain, Portugal, Greece.
0: Having discussed the likely pushback by the ECB on overly optimistic rate cut expectations, you've still got peripheral eurozone government bonds on overweight. Is it time to close that call?
2: Look, there are certainly some challenges ahead, uh, not just the possible uh, pushback or the continuous pushback you mentioned, Uh, It is also just more difficult to bring down debt now in a world of lower nominal growth. And uh, investors will likely focus more on this as well in in the future. Um, However, for the time being, investors, at least we think, put more weight on uh, the fundamental reasoning for lower policy rates and thus also the the lower refinancing or financing costs over the next couple of months. Um, On top of this, we also got... Uh, more realistic fiscal rules proposed by the EU leaders uh, late last year. And this should also uh, give these highly indebted countries like Italy a more kind of pragmatic way to reduce debt, which is basically a supportive element for Eurozone periphery governments um, such as Italy. So in other words, we can imagine that the momentum in periphery government bonds uh, can persist actually with further tightening uh, pressure on spreads um, or at least kind of a resistance to widen again substantially from here. So yes, we keep our overweight rating here uh, relative to the German counterparts for now, also given just the additional carry income that you get, and also despite this richer valuation that we discussed before.
0: Great, Dario. Thanks as ever for being on the show today.
2: Thanks for inviting me, Bernadette.
0: Well, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to my guests for contributing and of course you for listening. And please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back, hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.